0: Thank you so much, and good morning, everyone. And please turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. And I want to thank Richard for guiding us through rather a full program this morning. And Cindy, well done for gaining the courage to share your testimony, and you have enriched us. In fact, today we have experienced what the Scripture talks about that when we gather together, each one of us has a song, a prayer, a testimony, or a word from the Lord. And when we are obedient in doing so, we get to experience the body Life ministry and we get to be enriched. And that's what we've received today. And before I forgot, uh, Pietra has asked me kindly that when Trebo was doing the testimony, uh, sorry, the The announcement about the Easter camp. In fact, Clebo omitted certain information about that. That is one of the speakers for the Easter camp. And so that's good news that one of us get to represent us. But I know that both Mark and Isel are also involved. And I I better not mention names. It looks like I'm going to miss out lots of names. There's more people within our church that are involved. In the, Eastern, in the Easter camp. So it's something that uh, serves the wider community of East London, but we also have people within our church who are involved in it. And so Pietra felt that when Clebo was sharing about the entry fee for the Easter camp, that somebody may be prompted to want to, uh, to sponsor a child who is keen to attend, but who is unable, who can't afford to attend Easter camp. And so if you are interested in that, I would say speak to Isel. I think uh, she will be able to guide you. In doing that, you are enabling a child who is unable to attend but can receive the word and be touched by God in that um, Easter camp. So let's turn to Jonah chapter 3. We read from verses 1 through to verses 10. The Book of Jonah, chapter 3, reading from verses 1 through to verses 10. Let's read together. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was very large, it was a very large city. It took, th- it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A, vast, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, Put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne and took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, heads or flocks, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth, let everyone call urgently on God, let them give up their evil ways and their violence, who knows, God may relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Who knows that God may relent with compassion? Who knows that God may relent with compassion? It is a question that's very important to think about as we think about our own city, as we think about our own nation, to still have hope that God may indeed relent and turn from his anger. Lord, we ask you that as we come around your word that you will open to us And help us to hear it and obey it. For your name's sake we pray. Amen. Now, the hero of the book of Jonah is God, not Jonah. That means the book of Jonah is about God. Not so much about Jonah. Not just God, but merciful God. God who is willing to pay the price for his compassion. Sometimes we talk of compassion and we speak of it passionately, but when it comes to us paying the price for compassion that we believe in, then we show reluctance. But the book of Jonah models to us a merciful God who is willing to pay the price of compassion. We see this merciful God in chapter 1 of this book, showing His mercy to the sailors by preserving their lives. And at the end of that episode and that event where God preserved their lives, they praise God. In chapter 2, it's all about God's mercy to Jonah and how He rescued Jonah in a memorable way through the fish. And here in chapter 3, we have God's mercy again to the pagan city of Nineveh. The whole city saved from judgment. That's what chapter 3 is about. If you want to get chapter 3, summarize. It's a story of a great spiritual awakening or a story of a great revival in a vast, vast pagan city of Nineveh. Revival is when the gospel impacts not only few individuals, but a whole communities, being hit by this spiritual awareness, by this sense of seeking God and being aware of our sinfulness and our need for God. That's when we can say we have witnessed revival. And throughout church history, we get to see these moments of a revival where God visits the nation and the entire community of people. And we can all say it was God at work that we're able to see that. Now, anyone who read the records of a revival will be stirred in his or her heart and want to see the repetition of that happening in his or her time once again. Nobody reads the stories, the the church history about revival and not be stirred and stirred to a point of praying and ask God, like the psalmist in Psalm 85, will you not revive us again? And nobody reads chapter 3 and not want to see that happening amongst us where God visits us in a mighty way. So this chapter is about a remarkable revival, the repentance of the whole pagan city. Now there are four ingredients that are crucial or that are obvious in Jonah's story here in chapter 3. But these ingredients, not only obvious in Jonah's story here, they are obvious in any God's work. And for our time this morning, I'm going to spend more time in the first two because I'm conscious of the time. And then I will just uh, highlight the the last two of these ingredients. The first one is an obedient servant. That is verses 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Maybe we can pause there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So here we go again. We are back to square one. Remember that the book of Jonah began by or begins by God telling Jonah to go to that city of Nineveh. And that command comes again here in chapter 3. You wouldn't be blamed for thinking that when God came to Jonah for the first time and said to him, go to Nineveh, and Jonah said no. You wouldn't be blamed for thinking that that was the end of the story. That would have been the end of the story. At least For Jonah. You see, because God does not need Jonah. So when he said no, it would have been easy for God to go and find another prophet to send. He could have easily gone and sent another prophet. But God doesn't. Graciously and amazingly, he comes to Jonah a second time. Now, you couldn't find that in other area of life. When you miss the opportunity first time, and it gets to be presented to you again. No, you can't find it. You can't find it in our culture. We have a culture that is called cancel culture when you say or do something that the culture or the community doesn't approve of they cancel you you are history they have zero mercy zero compassion and grace there is no second chance for you yet Jonah directly refuse the command of the living God. And God determined to use him again. He says to him again for the second time, Go Jonah. And that word speaks of his amazing grace. That word of God coming to Jonah for the second time. It speaks of His amazing grace. And that word is an encouragement to us all this morning. That God is a God of a second chance. He's a God of a third chance. He's a God of a fourth chance. He's a God of another chance. Another opportunity. Perhaps you are here this morning, you are conscious of yourself having disobeyed God. We all are. We all are aware of moments and opportunities when we heard the voice clearly from the Lord. And we said no. Maybe not no directly, but we came up with excuses that maybe are justifiable, why we can't do that which God is calling us to do. Here is something that is comforting to us. That even when we may feel that we have let God down, when we are even aware that we have disobeyed Him in all sorts of ways, when we are aware that I have blown it and I am not going to be used of God again. My usefulness as Christian is gone because of that particular sin in my life or because of that particular period in my life, I have lost the opportunity to be used of God. I'm sure Jonah thought of that as well as he was escaping to the end of the world. The opportunity of him being used again is gone behind him. is running away from the presence of God. But God is God of a second chance. And for that we praise him for his amazing mercy. However, we must not presume of his mercy. We must not think because God can keep on using us. Even when we disobey, he reaches out to us. He lifts us up and he brings us back back to the place. We mustn't think that our disobedience doesn't matter. We must be aware that the more we disobey deliberately, there are more chances that we may find ourselves unable to obey. There are chances that disobedience becomes the pattern of our lives. There are chances that we somehow develop this groove which our lives follow. However, again, the emphasis here is is on God's amazing grace. is on God's amazing mercy. That he still wants to use you. He still wants to use us, even when we have let him down. And he says to you and I this morning, Will you obey me now? Will you go to Nineveh like Jonah? and at last jonah obeyed his heart has been changed you know what changed his heart was his experience in the belly of the fish for 3 days in chapter 2 we read that we read of his experience in the belly of the fish that he felt that he was in the depths of grave He was aware that him being on the belly of the fish, it was God's judgment on him. And Jonah sought the Lord's face there. And that's why I said last Sunday, God is not just interested in us making it to the other side of the storm. But he's interested in the people we are becoming through the storm. And here we can see Jonah's heart being changed through the storm. He's now ready to say, yes, Lord, I will go to Nineveh. Yes, Lord, I will obey your word. His heart is changed. He's no longer doing professional obedience, but he's doing now a heart obedience his heart, his mind and heart is now together in unity. It's, full, it's in full submission to God's calling in his life. So he was in the depths of the grave. And God amazingly lifted him up from that depths of grave. And God was determined to rescue him. Not only to rescue him, but to dust him off and to use him again. I wonder if that's not, God. that's not what God is saying to you this morning. He wants to rescue you from you feeling that you are in the depths of the grave. You feel the judgment of God. You feel that God has turned against you, or you have turned against him in your disobedience, and you feel his judgment. Here we have good news of a God who turns that situation, that dark situation, he turns it into something glorious. And so while Jonah was in that belly of the fish, he determined to obey God who rescued him. While he was in the belly of that fish, he made a vow to God. And he said, I will keep that vow. I will do something about what you've done for me. So, he is essentially saying to God, I am willing now to go God's way. I am willing now To go God's way. Is that you this morning? That is willing to turn away from following your ways. But to follow God's ways. It's not easy to follow God's way. It's not. It is something against our flesh, our will, what we want. But there is enormous benefit In going God's way. That's where we can get, we can receive and experience the blessing of God. The fullness of who God is. Maybe you say, well, Jonah cannot be blamed for making that vow. He was in the dark place. He was in the belly of fish. He was aware of God's rescue of him. And so he said, I will do this vow to you, God, and I will see it through. And maybe like Jonah, you are aware of God who rescued you in the moment of crisis. And you came out of that crisis with this great resolve that, Lord, I am willing to do anything that you are calling me to. Maybe God answered your prayer in a dramatic way and you are conscious of his grace. Maybe God got you out of a difficult situation. Maybe he restored your health. Maybe God gave you a job and he protected you from harm. And now you are conscious of his grace. You are conscious of him being a rescuing God. And you want to do something and thank God out of gratitude. But you see, sometimes we make these vows because we are caught up in that moment of God at work, in that spiritual awareness, in that spiritual renewal. And then come Monday, when everything is normal, when I am out of that picture of that moment, that spiritual moment. And I realize that to follow through with that resolve will come at a cost. And you begin to realize that maybe let me delay again in doing that. The question here is, will you obey even when it's hard? Will you obey God even when it's hard? So Jonah obeyed, and he went to Nineveh. And we realized that the task of going to Nineveh was huge. This was a large place. We are told that it required three days' uh, visit from Jonah. It was huge in the standards of the day, but also it was godless. So the task for Jonah was not easy. Even though Jonah had experienced this dramatic rescue from God, even though Jonah was conscious of God's presence in his life, it didn't make the task easy for him. And yet he obeyed even in that difficult time. So will you obey even when it's difficult for us? This is an extraordinary mission strategy. I'm not sure if there is any mission organization in our time that would want to use that strategy. We come together, we say we want to turn the city or whatever, the biggest city in in South Africa, we want to turn it around and we're going to send one man. One man to it. I don't think in the modern society we would have a mission organization that would want to employ that strategy of a one man. But God used that strategy. He took Jonah, being only man, he sent him to Nineveh. And sometimes we feel weak. Who am I? There is only one of me in my class who profess to be a Christian. There is only one of me in my family. There is only one of me in my department. So who am I? Is it possible for me to do anything? Or we say as a church, look at us. There is only very few of us. What impact can we possibly do? Well, Jonah's task was even harder. And yet, he still obeyed. And God turned Nineveh upside down through Jonah. Of course, God could have turned Nineveh upside down without Jonah. He is God. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is a creator God. He brought this world into existence by speaking a word. He could have. And if you believe in that God, the creator God who is all powerful, who wants to use you, remember that you and him are a great and a powerful team to change whatever situation that he is calling you to. You may be one, but you have God with you. You may be the only one in your class, in your department, but you have God with you. And he wants to change that environment through you. God could have done it by himself. But God still chooses us sinful human beings. Despite of our sin, God wants to proclaim His amazing love and amazing grace through us. And that is amazing that God can use sinners like us to carry out His message to the world. Maybe there are individuals that God will only reach through you. Maybe there are communities that God will only reach through you. So, because you are uniquely placed in that position to reach those individuals, to reach those communities. God has placed you uniquely, not me, not anyone else, but you. So, an obedient servant. The question is, is God perhaps waiting? Is He waiting for you to repent? Is He waiting for you and waiting for us to start praying? Is He waiting for us to start opening our mouths and speak? And I'm going to end there. I know that I said I have four points, but I'm aware that we've had so much today in our program. And I feel that's enough for us from the Word of God. That God is calling us to be obedient so that through us, He can change the environment in which we find ourselves and change the city. And that God who did through Jonah can do it through you and through me this morning. Let's pray. God, we ended our time of praise by singing that God, you're so good. And now, Lord, as we make our way through this this chapter 3, we see your goodness to these Ninevites. Lord, the truth is we are aware of many, many Ninevites. In the workplace, in our workplace, in our schools, in the departments that we visit, we come across sometimes with people who are godless who makes us want to run a mile away from them. But this morning, you're reminding us that you've called us to run a mile towards them, to bring your grace to them, to remind them of your amazing grace. And so, Father, we ask you to prompt us as you have prompted Cindy to share with us And in so doing, she edified us. She made us aware of your presence, even in the waiting. And even when we may not feel it, and even when we may not see it, but you are there. Will you do that through us, Lord, to others? That even when their hearts are so hard, seemingly, are closed to you, but through our presence, those people will be away of your presence. And that they will say, yes, I may not be following Jesus. But I know how a person who follows Jesus look like. Because I see him in that person. Will you do that through us, Lord? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.